0: Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at DealMachine.com BP. Passive income without the property
1: headache? It's possible.
2: You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from biggerpockets.com, your home for real estate investing online.
3: What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets Podcast, here with Brandon Turner, our most excellent excellent co-host hey brandon
2: hey josh what's going on
3: uh you know i'm all right summer is uh summer's over kids are going to school you know life is life is moving on
2: nice you know what i did this week
3: i have no idea
2: my first eviction is over
3: oh congratulations yeah they good doesn't it
2: yeah sheriff came yesterday and took the lady away (laughs) So really, yeah, yes. all her stuff is sitting out at the curb. If anybody wants it. There's a whole pile of free stuff.
3: Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, you know, that's it's part of part of the life of being a landlord, I think
2: it is. But honestly, it was not that bad. I mean, my attorney handled it. Uh, he knew what he was doing. He was competent. He took care of the whole thing. Uh, not a big deal. I mean, it's going to cost me a little bit of money. I don't know how much yet, but uh yeah. It wasn't too bad. Do you,
3: you have any feedback on that? Any any uh, any tips you want to give to folks listening who have never evicted and, and may be facing one or just to kind of prep them for a, an impending eviction other I, than have a good lawyer? Yeah,
2: I mean, that is the biggest thing is have a lawyer that does it from the start. I mean, I should learn how to do it, you know, because I'll probably do a lot of them over my career, but uh, I kind of learned while he was doing it. He kind of walked me through what he was doing. But yeah, have a good attorney and... uh yeah, don't don't break any laws. <laughs> there
3: you go. That's, that's a very good tip because those self-help evictions are a fast way to get yourself on the front page of uh, any and every paper.
2: Yeah. I heard this story one time about a, a couple who wanted their tenant out and they didn't like him at all. So they went underneath into the basement. It was like a multifamily. And they took a chainsaw and they cut all the joists on the floor so that they when they weren't there, the floor would collapse and the people would uh, suddenly be uh, no longer there. But
3: <laughs> that's the dumbest thing I've yeah. ever heard. They're
2: in jail right
3: now. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> but yeah, true nice. story. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I've, I've heard some bad ones. That's probably uh, at, at or near the top. So, <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. All right, man. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the show. We've got uh, we've got a really cool show ahead. And uh, before we get into it, I'm just going to run on into our, our quick, quick tip. tip. All right. Today's quick tip. If you guys have ever wondered how, uh, how different people have company logos in their, uh, bigger pockets form signatures, all you have to do is create a business profile in bigger pockets, which is totally free. However, uh, in order for your logo to, to actually appear, uh, you would need to upgrade to a pro account, uh, not a pro basic, but a pro account where, uh, you can set up this uh, advanced, uh, enhanced signature, which will show up below all your posts on the forums. So think about what that could do for your networking and for your branding. Uh, members and non-members could could see that, could see your brand when they they read your post. It's a great way uh, to build up your name and your company's name. So uh, in order to do that, just upgrade to BiggerPockets Pro at biggerpockets.com/pro. And uh, we'll put the link there in the show notes at biggerpockets.com/slash show thirty-three. That's right. Show thirty-three. But uh yeah, listen, so today we've got a uh got an interesting, interesting story. We got a guy who I, you know, I think is fascinating. This is this is one of those investors who said, you know, one day I'm going to be a real estate investor. And you know, he 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 didn't just start haphazardly uh, buying property or anything, he set out to create a plan, and he figured out how he was gonna do everything, and and plotted it, and And it's it's been working wonders. So uh, let's talk about him. Sam, Sam Craven, uh, he's from the Houston area and works a, a full-time job, but he's actually been building a really active investment company doing both flipping and wholesaling uh, during the nights and evenings over the past year plus. And this guy has done a ton of deals. It's actually gonna blow your mind. Uh, so stay tuned and listen up because uh, you know the actual number of deals he has done since getting started is uh, is crazy.' It's crazy. So uh, um, he's uh, he's in a place that a lot of you guys who might be listening are in currently. and uh, which is why we wanted to talk to Sam today. So last thing before we go into the interview, please, uh, please remember guys to jump onto our show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 33 and uh, leave them there. Again, questions, comments, thoughts, feedback, anything like that. Definitely be sure to uh, get back to him. All right. So let's get this going. Sam, welcome aboard, man. Nice to have you. I appreciate it, guys. Really, uh, really glad that you ha- were able to have me.
2: Yeah, we're, we're glad to have you. So let's uh, let's let me steal Josh's line here and let's jump right into it. Um, <laughs> well, that's funny. Yeah, you know, I'm a funny guy. Uh, what kind of investing do you do? I mean, what's your, what's your thing?
4: Um, well, um, my father and I, we've built a business um, here in Houston, uh, servicing the Houston metropolitan area. And uh, we buy houses to wholesale, to flip, um, to do um, kind of what we call wholesaling and uh, we're also expanding into multifamily.
3: Nice, Nice. And, and how did you end up uh, getting interested in this whole thing? Was it your dad's idea or was it your your plan? Well, um, it was kind of, I, well,
4: I guess I should start from the beginning. So about two years ago I bought my first house uh, for my wife and I to live in. We were one year out of college. We bought a foreclosure in the woodlands that was uh, which is just a suburb of Houston. That was essentially a crack house. Um, it had been vacant for a few years. People were squatting in there.
3: You bought a crack house for your wife to live in. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's awesome. How did she feel about that? <laughs> she was not happy about it. Oh, okay, just checking.
4: <laughs> she was not happy about it at all. She likes it now, yeah. um, but you know, starting off, she wasn't uh, terribly excited. But gotcha. Uh, once gotcha. she, you know, once she saw what we could turn the house into, she was absolutely on board because it was way more house than we could afford it otherwise. Gotcha, so, gotcha. Um, So, but anyhow, we we purchased the house, kind of realized that, hey, you know, we just signed on the dotted line, came into quite a bit of equity because of it. And it was kind of like an aha moment for me where it's like, well, what if I did this a couple more times? Um, So from there, I was kind of going through some career changes and just studied, studied for about a year. And in that same time, my dad, um, who's now my business partner, was in the process of attempting to purchase uh, a local business, and it just fell through. It just wasn't working. And right about the time that I was ready to start pulling the trigger and start uh, doing some marketing for some wholesaling, I was talking it over with my dad, and we decided to go into business together. Um, And that was July of last year.
3: Okay, so July of... 2012 right you decided to get into the real estate game yep it's go time okay so to, uh, we're gonna come back to that it's now August 2013 right how much real estate have you guys done
4: uh, we've purchased 2.4 million dollars of real estate and we've sold 1.5 nice um, how, how many deals does that work out to uh, it's 27 deals whoa
3: so you have done twenty-seven deals in uh in a little over a year. That's awesome. Correct.
4: Yeah. Wow. 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 And I, and the reality is it's our first six months we did three deals. The rest of those deals have been since January.
3: So you kind of uh you're the exception to the get rich quick rule. I don't know. It's a lot of work. I'm not sure it's <laughs> Yep, yep. That's what that no, nah, and, and that's what I I I knew knew you would say. I mean, th- yeah. this is not a hey, you know, set it and forget it, as they say. Yeah. You you got to bust your chops to make this happen.
4: Definitely so, and and having a business partner, especially um, um, someone like my father, has helped us immensely. I mean, he has a lot of experience on uh, you know building companies and turning around companies. So okay. it's it's been great. Well, how has that been for you working with family?
2: I know some people say it's terrible. Don't do it. Some are okay with it. What are your thoughts? Um,
4: Starting off was rough. I mean, you know, we, my father and I, we always had a good relationship, but, you know, living with your father and, and knowing your father and working with your father are two different things. So it was definitely a learning curve in the beginning, just, you know, as with any other partnership. But at the end of the day, I know there's no one else out there that has our best interest at heart. Uh, like family,
3: is so, there is there anything that that people who are listening can can do to make sure that the the working relationship with you know say if they decide to work with family is, uh, do you have any tips on uh, how to do that without killing each other and destroying your uh, entire family cohesion?
4: Remove emotion is the best thing. It's the best thing I could say. Um, my dad's got a really good business head on his shoulders, um, and. It just gets complicated if things get emotional. I mean, you know, you guys have you know your family, there's history there, and that's not always the case with uh, uh, when you're just bringing in a business partner. So, um, if you guys can be honest with yourselves and, and remove emotion from discussions, uh, I would say that just gets you through 99% of it. Yeah. But it's been an incredibly rewarding experience uh, doing this with my father.
3: That's great.
2: Yeah, I agree. That's great. Defin- so, definitely easier than it, you know, said than done, but. It's yeah. Wise.
3: Yeah. Yep. All right. So how how did you guys uh, actually get going? You know, what, what what was the first deal, and and uh, you know why did you decide to do that? Well, Outside of the crack house, of course.
4: Well, yeah. <laughs> I actually. I still live in that crack. house. Was oh, that the
3: crack house we see behind you with the the nice yes. ceiling fan? I I don't see any pipes, you know, on no. the counter. But that's good. no needles,
4: no pipes. We're uh, good. we're cleaned up now. And actually, I'm moving out here in a couple of weeks. We just bought another house uh, nice. in town, oh, so this is going to be a rental house now. Awesome. Um, but
3: um, um, what was your question? I- <laughs> so, uh, what was the first deal after that? How'd you you know? How'd you really start to ramp things up?
4: Okay. Well, so when we decided we wanted to do it, we set a marketing budget. um, And we set some short-term goals for ourselves. That was how many houses we wanted to buy a month, um, what we were willing to spend starting off, and kind of choosing the marketing avenues that we wanted to go down. And the first one that we chose was direct mail. And the first goal that we set was we wanted to buy one house a month and spend $1,000 a month on direct mail. So we started uh, direct mail. First month, nothing was really happening. Second month, nothing was really happening. Um, toward the end of the second month, we got our first real promising call and it was a call that I have not heard since. It was one of those ones where someone left a message and they said, I'm a motivated seller. I want to sell fast. Let's get this thing done. I'm willing to take bottom dollar for it. Nice. Like that's <laughs> never happened again and probably never will happen again. Um, But this particular deal, um, it was kind of outside of Houston, um, a little outside of what we know. Um, It was a house, pier and beam house, had some pretty bad foundation issues, and it was on six acres. And we weren't exactly sure what to do, but we knew we were getting it for a good price. So what we wound up doing was contacting some local investors in town, seeing if they'd be willing to work with us on this one and see if we could learn from them. And so we brought in a local investor They went out with the house with us and looked at it and met with the people. And uh, basically they put it under contract and agreed to pay us a $2,500 finder's fee. Um, Not a home run. We learned a whole heck of a lot, especially for that being our first deal. But, um, you know, if that deal would have come to us three months later, we could have turned that into a $20,000 wholesale deal easy. Um, But definitely don't regret it. Still have a great relationship with the investor that helped us. Ah, uh, still lean on them every now and then, so it was definitely positive.
3: Okay, so, so let me ask you about that because I think a lot of people come out of the gate and they're like, "All right, well, I get the concepts, I'm ready to go, I'm going to start putting some money down in marketing, I'll drop a thousand this month, a thousand next month," and all of a sudden somebody calls me, and then they are scared to death. Holy That's- cow! What do I do? You know, this guy actually wants to sell the property. I don't have contracts, I don't have paperwork, I don't know where to go, I don't know what to do. You know, wh- What kind of advice would you give to them? I mean, clearly you met, with, met up and partnered up with somebody who can help you through that process, right? I mean, would you right. say that that was the best move you could have made, possibly?
4: At that time, absolutely. We made the, the best move we could with everything that we knew at the time. And, and we knew we didn't know a lot then. Yeah. Um. So really that's where networking comes in and going out there and meeting people and picking their brain. Um. I mean, that, that got us that deal. Otherwise we wouldn't have had the confidence to go forward with that deal and make any money on it.
3: Okay. Okay. Well, and I think yeah. it's
2: important that you, you have the deal. I mean, like people always right. say, if you have the deal, the money or the figuring out what to do with it is the easy part. So once yeah. you can get the deal and that- I think if people are having struggle or you know, struggling getting uh, going, they probably just don't have the deal yet. So, right. Yeah. yeah. And um, so
3: you let, let me really quickly jump back on that one again. So a <laughs> thousand so a month on direct mail. What what was the strategy? So how did you uh, how did you market? Was it yellow letters? Was it uh, you know? And who'd you who'd you market to specifically?
4: It was yellow letters, and we marketed to absentee and high equity owners okay. uh, within. I believe we picked five or six zip codes within Houston to market to.
3: Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Nice. Okay. All right. So you get this first deal, you wholesale it, you find the guy, he helps you out. That's awesome. Now what?
4: On to the next one.
3: (laughs) So continue Uh, marketing, continue direct mailing.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one thing that we learned um, a hard lesson early on is after those first three months, you know, we got um, two deals, we got another deal the following month and then we changed our marketing Um, we started um, you know we chose different zip codes we chose postcards you know we changed our marketing we changed it too much we changed it too soon and the phone stopped ringing Mm. I mean we were you know running around pulling our hair out wondering what the heck was going on Um, but after we changed it we did the same thing we did before you know we leaned on the people that we knew that were experts in direct mail um, actually someone who we met through bigger pockets nice. uh, got got us on the phone talked us through a couple deals talked us through how to get our marketing back on track and by the end of December actually I believe in December we no excuse me November we purchased our very first whole flip property uh, off of our direct mail and um, sold that one early January and didn't make a killing on it I think we only made twenty three twenty four thousand dollars on it
3: you said whole flip.
4: That was a that was a flip. That was oh, a, whole was a flip. flip. I mean, like that was one we actually went and did the renovation.
3: Oh, oh, okay, like I a was, whole
4: entire flip. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Like, I, 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 I not was just
4: wholesale. I thought you
3: just invented a whole new concept. No,
4: no. <laughs> the whole the whole flip.
3: Yeah. Yes, I've got a course for $997 <laughs> on whole flipping. <laughs> Just call me at Josh's dot com, and I'll teach you everything you need to know.
2: Okay. I'm going to go register that domain now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> josh's. No, but actually, can you tell us about that flip? I mean, uh, what was the house like? What did you do? And what'd you learn in that, that flip?
4: So the house was uh, um, awarded to a gentleman in a divorce and, um, Took us a long time to negotiate the purchase price on that one, and it was actually pretty interesting because that was he wound up being our first private and private lender. Um, he wound up, you know, we were about five thousand dollars apart on price, and it was a pretty thin deal as it was. We really kind of just wanted to get it, just to do it and learn. Um, but my dad wound up negotiating with him. Um, he owner financed the house back to us, so. All we had to come up with then was the renovations. So we got our first private lender and our first flip uh, with our very first uh, kind of all in one one swipe. So That's cool. Worked did, out
2: pretty well. did he own it free and clear? Did you do like a subject to? He owned it free and clear. Nice.
3: Yeah. Cool, yeah. cool. All right. So. Why? Why did you decide to suddenly start flipping houses? I mean, you'd been wholesaling. You know, less work. You don't have to worry about contractors and and all all the headaches that come with with doing that. What What was the motivation at that point?
4: Well, that was it, that was all part of the business plan. Quite frankly, okay. uh, was to put together the marketing strategy to bring us leads, and from those leads, turn that into money somehow. Yeah, uh, whether that was wholesaling, whether that was um, flipping. It didn't matter to us. Um, uh, we knew we could put the processes in place to manage the flips. Um, just needed to learn a little bit more about uh, you know, the industry managing contractors, those kinds of things. So when this property came along where the numbers looked good for a flip, we jumped on it. It was right, right we were ready to go. Got it. So you said earlier you got three
2: projects done in the first six months, and then the rest of them have been since then. So I'm wondering right. Is that because of you know a lot of a lot of the people we've had on the show uh, like uh, Sharon Vornholt or Jerry Puckett have talked about that most of the deals come from later direct mailings like after they get three four five six millions have you found that to be true as well in your case is that why it took so long
4: absolutely okay. absolutely so it, the reason it took so long was two things we got impatient and didn't let the direct mail work. And change things, and then so once we finally changed things, three months in, you know, it took three months before we really started getting any good leads off that direct mail. Um, yeah,
3: yeah. Oh, so, so let's let's talk about the process a little bit. And and I know we've we've covered this in previous shows, but I'm I'm just interested. Uh, so you send out your direct mail. You got these postcards. You find somebody to help you make them. You send them out and you put a phone number on there or you link to a website. Where, you know, did, did you do both? Uh, do, you, do you always go to, to send them to the phone? And if you do send them to the phone, are you answering uh, the phone calls? Do you, do you pay a company to actually screen it and, and have an answering service, or do you just send it to a voicemail like a Google Voice?
4: So what we did, um, once we realized what our mistake was, um, kind of third quarter or fourth quarter last year, we really ramped up our marketing um, to the point where, um, late last year, we were spending about four thousand dollars a month on direct mail <clears throat> because we wanted to be fully invested in it. We wanted to start twenty thirteen off right. So, when we were doing that, we were doing it with yellow letters, and we were getting about 400, 450 calls a month, and oh. they were going to um, going to voicemail. Half of them wouldn't leave a message. And then half the people that left a message, if not less, uh, were just worth not, were not worth calling back. So um, it was getting overwhelming. And you know, with my dad being the one answering the calls, um, he hardly had time to do anything else. So we made the decision in uh, February to switch to postcards. Um, it allowed us to lower our costs. We actually brought uh, postcard fulfillment in-house. So we lowered our cost quite a bit. We could send more postcards per dollar. And also our response rate dropped from the postcards, which sounds like a negative, but when you realize that we went from 20% of the calls being worth even looking into to 90% of the calls being worth going out to look at the house. Wow. Uh, it really cut down the time taken to deal with all these incoming phone calls so our productivity went up yeah um, yeah that was that's been our experience with it
2: that's really interesting so yeah. h- how do you know who to call back I mean what was the indicator in those phone calls of the bad calls
4: well we'd call them all back and so it was real time consuming and we wouldn't know till we talked to them so now that oh, our see. response rate is so much lower with these postcards but the but the people tend to be much more motivated um, it's going direct to my dad's cell phone. Um, so, Robert picks up the phone and talks to every single person who calls. They get a live person right then and there. Got it.
3: Got it. And did you? Uh, so, but but previous to that, you were not answering the calls. You were you were sending no, them to. Okay. Right. It was going to voicemail. And, and what we would do is we would we had a account
4: set up with an with a you know voiceover IP company, and then each type of direct mail would have its own phone number, so we could track. Um, you know how's the, how's absentee doing? How's high equity doing? How's probate doing? So. We could capture those metrics and see, you know, how many deals we're getting off each one.
3: Got it. That's cool. Got it. And and when when you switched, you you're still marketing to all those different uh, types of properties, but you're yeah. you're just you know you're just taking those calls and and figuring it out as you go along.
4: That's correct. Okay. Yeah, we're still marketing to all that, and we're also doing um, internet marketing, uh, SEO, and Google AdWords, and. Uh, uh, we're about to stop doing our newspaper advertising. It's it's just quit working for us.
2: Got it. So let's let's talk real quick about the Google AdWords. That's something that interests me a lot. Like, how is that working for you?
4: Getting a good return? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And you know, when we have a website, and uh, you know, when I paid the gentleman to build it, he did some basic SEO, but it's not it's not great. It's like fifty percent there, so. If you search for any, any of the keywords that I've paid to show up for with Google AdWords, our website doesn't show up. Um, so as far as, you know, when I started experimenting with AdWords, you know, we were immediately showing up in Google, which is just, it's, it's worth it. Um, we were getting good leads, a couple of our big, big flips have come from AdWords. And so, recently, we're going to continue spending about a thousand dollars a month on Google AdWords, um, but we're kind of we're also going to be spending money on SEO. Um, the website's in the process of being redone currently, and the SEO is going to go full bore here probably by the end of this month.
3: You- so. Do you have any tips on on the uh, the AdWords stuff? Uh, you know, I, I'm sure you don't want to give away all your secrets uh, in terms of like you know what exactly you're putting on there, but would you be willing to share some of it at all?
4: I can share that it's an incredibly frustrating experience if you're not familiar with Google AdWords because yeah. the the first month we did it, you know, I was spending fifteen hundred dollars and we got almost no leads, but we were getting you know ten thousand clicks. Yeah, um, and it's just I, the best advice I can give since I'm not very good at it is to hire a professional. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. cool. and
2: Google AdWords is really easy to suddenly lose, like you said, fifteen hundred bucks and, and
4: Yes it is. I,
2: I had a campaign going years ago like for some I don't remember what I was doing. I was trying to advertise for uh some house I was selling or something. Anyway, I forgot to set like a daily limit or something like that. And I spent three hundred dollars like overnight on something yeah. I was doing. That might have been Facebook advertising, I don't remember. Anyway, I spent like three
4: hundred dollars overnight for nothing. Like I got right. no leads out of it. And, uh, yeah, I can definitely sympathize with that. We, we blew a lot of money the first couple months. And um, as I learned a little bit, um, it got better and better. And we're doing pretty good now. We've got at least, you know, we're buying about one house every two months off of Google AdWords. And every house that we get off AdWords uh, pays for itself 10, 20 times over. So that's cool. Yeah. definitely you want- worth it. Done. Do you
2: happen to know off the top of your head what your cost per click is? Like, how much are you paying Google for each of those clicks? Right now, about 9 to $10. Okay.
3: 9 yeah. to $10 per click.
4: Per
2: click. So it can show up as much as it wants to. It can show a million times, but if somebody doesn't click it, you don't pay.
4: Exactly. And, and you know, I've set a daily limit, like you said. I learned that lesson
3: the hard way. Yeah. and uh, <clears throat>
4: And, yeah, yeah.
3: Cool. <laughs> got it, got it. So, I mean, it, it sounds like you're you're targeting some pretty long tail stuff. Some, uh, you know, really very very specific.
4: We got much more specific with it because in the beginning yeah. it was just real broad, and we were getting a bunch of clicks and we we're paying a bunch of money, and the leads weren't any good.
3: Yeah, yeah. So I found that
4: if you know I can bid higher for clicks and get
3: better leads. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. No, that's great. That's great. All right. So I, I just want to kind of work really quickly through uh, that. We, we talked about that first flip. Now, you know, 27 deals. My goodness. That's, uh, you know, that's a considerable amount of, of, uh, of deals to do. So obviously you guys systematized and built up, you know, and, and you said from the beginning, I'm going to spend X amount of dollars. That's going to start to uh, amount to X amount of leads and started to form it, uh, turn it into a formula for yourselves. But how do you, pr- how do you, do twenty seven deals in a year as somebody who probably doesn't have the systems yet how do you how did you start to ramp that up we did a lot of stuff ahead of time you know we we
4: had the systems in place i was building a buyers list from day one Um, you know we were meeting with contractors from day one we we were just we were planning ahead we got together we set our goals and so we knew what to plan for Um, So even though we weren't there yet, and even though we were getting frustrated with the things that were coming in, you know, right this second, um, we knew we were going to be at a different place um, as we grew month to month. So we set everything up ahead of time so that when we got to that point, when we finally got that wholesale property that we were ready to send out to our buyers list, we had a buyers list. We had the email campaign set up. We had the marketing set up. We had um, everything we needed to put in that email to sell that property so that when the deals started coming it was ready to go
3: so so what is that what does that mean um, actually i've got two questions one is what does that mean to to set up you know what what do you really need to do a and b you know i know we we uh we we like to rank on the gurus here uh and and aren't super fond of them in many ways uh but you know, these guys are saying you can you can be a real estate investor and, and do it without having any cash. You don't need any money to be an investor. You can just jump in and start doing it. And uh, so so do you believe in that? And uh, I guess those are two totally different questions. So hit one <laughs> and then hit the other. <coughs> Which one you want me to hit first? Oh, uh, man, start, start with the money and then we'll go to the plan. Okay.
4: Um, as far as wholesaling without any money, if you find a property on the MLS – you can wholesale it and it take very little money out of your own pocket. You know, you can find your buyers on Craigslist, which is free, and um, you can find your sellers on the MLS, which is usually free to get on um, in certain areas. But the reality is is you're not going to find great properties on the MLS. You're going to have to spend some money to do some marketing. Um, we've secured properties for as little as $10 in a contract, but we probably spent, you know, if you look at it over the course of a few months, we probably spent five hundred or thousand dollars to get that house. So while it's much easier to wholesale with a much smaller budget, it definitely requires some money and some proper planning to do it. Yeah. So
3: Okay. And so you 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 did talk about planning and how does one do that, right? How do I say, hey, I wanna I want I wanna ramp up this business. I want 30 deals in the next you know year and a half and i'm willing to put the money down to do it i'm going to spend the money in the marketing and the infrastructure but how, how do you, how do you plan for that and had you know what did, what did that plan look like to you
4: I, well you know, i think yeah i think the most important thing is setting goals um, you know we have five year five year goals we have three year goals we have one year goals we have six month goals and we have next week goals so your five year goal is going to dictate when you back it all out what your one-week goal is going to be. I mean, how are you going to get? You know, you keep the end in mind. So our goal has been to build a single-family flipping business that buys ten houses a month. Um, that's what we want to do. We also want to have a business that buys distressed uh, apartments and multifamily. So we start with the end in mind. We know, okay. So if we want to be buying ten houses a month. How much do we need to spend on marketing? Well, okay, so we don't have that much marketing right now. So how much can we spend on marketing right now? And how many deals will that get us? So we put the systems in place to where we can track all that stuff, see how we're doing, see what our return on investment is on our marketing, and adjust. Because what our goal was in the beginning is going to change. It changes consistently. But as long as you have the reporting and the systems and the personnel in place to track that stuff, um it becomes much easier um to hit those goals and to grow at the rate that we want to grow.
2: Yeah. No, I, I think that's awesome. I, I I I compare it kind of to a plane. Like when a plane takes off from let's say, you know, New York to LA, it uh it doesn't always shoot straight. I think actually Glenn Schwarm said the exact same thing in in a comment today on a blog post. He said, like when a plane goes takes off, you know, it's constantly altering direction. I mean, the goal is kind of the same, but it, right. it's constantly changing uh, a yeah. little bit just to to match with whatever the world's doing, and whatever things are doing. So um, yeah, I think that's awesome. And I mean, a, another part of that, I think is people, everyone listening right now is doing exactly what I think people should do is that's just getting involved in the conversations. Uh, just by hearing us talk about what your plan is, that helps other people figure out what their plan should be, uh, especially if they exactly. want to get into wholesaling or flipping.
4: Yeah. And I did a lot of that starting off reading, listening to podcasts. I spent a lot of time on bigger pockets where (laughs) biggerpockets.com.
3: That's a cool site. I I like that place. Yeah. I
4: spent a lot of time on bigger pockets, uh, learning, asking questions, being the newbie. Um, and it's just been an incredible resource. Just suck up as much information as you can so that when you're ready to pull the trigger and do something, you've got the confidence to do it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, well, cool. Let's, let's move
2: on a little bit. Uh, I'm wondering what kind of properties you're looking for and whether you're fl- wholesaling
4: or flipping, what are you, what are you looking for? So when it comes to wholesaling, um, our whole business model is kind of, I, I might offend some people when I say this, but <laughs> in Houston, there are a lot of wholesalers that just aren't good at what they do. Um, you know, they pay too much for a property, then they try to take too much profit out of the property, and then they try to sell the property. And they do that by not being honest about what the repairs are to get the house rent ready or flip ready, and not being honest about the ARV knowing that some people don't have access to the MLS to pull proper comps.
3: ARV is? After
4: repair value. Okay. Sorry about that. That's okay.
3: Um. <laughs> this isn't a quiz. We're just you know, helping yeah. those people who don't know.
4: Yeah. So what we did is is we built our marketing model and our purchasing model around the fact that every property that we buy for wholesale is going to be given is going to be accompanied by a line by line general contractor quote that is absolutely executable by a real general contractor and our ARVs are going to be conservative. Our after repair value is going to be conservative. Our rents are going to be conservative and be real. So, you know, we make our money when we buy the house, not when we sell our house. And I think that's something a lot of wholesalers forget. Yeah, uh, and that's it. goes the same for flipping. I mean, if you can't get the, pro- the house for a good price and you're going to try to pass it off as this great investment to a bunch of other people, you're going to piss off a lot of people in the process and you're going to lose customers. Yeah. So we always sell our properties at a fair price with 100% um, visibility of everything that the property needs. And because of that, because we do that so diligently, we haven't held a single property for more than 48 hours when we go to wholesale it. I mean, they absolutely disappear. I'm going to jinx myself just because I said that. <laughs> but, but, I mean, that's, that's what we work towards. I mean, maybe that means we're not taking quite as big of a margin as we could. But the reality is, is the smallest wholesale deal we've
3: ever done is $8,000. Yeah, except for that first $2,500 one.
4: Yeah, I would expect except for that little guy. i, mean, I hardly for, count that. That was
3: we're that not gonna forget about that. Yeah. That was yeah, a finder's
4: we, fee. That, that was a
3: finder's fee. Okay. Okay. Parse it a little bit. Okay, that's <laughs> fine. Call it what you will. That's no,
2: fine. I I think that advice is is amazing. I mean, like, I wish every wholesaler in the world could just rewind that last five minutes and listen to it like ten times because
3: I wasn't listening. What did he say?
2: <laughs> <laughs> to to sum up, it means get a good deal. Like you have to get a good deal. Yep. Stop stop. And don't be afraid to pass up a deal. Yeah. I think people just get emotional. And they get like, you know, oh, somebody called me, therefore it's a good deal.
4: Yeah.
3: Right. Yep. Yeah. Well, and you know, in our last podcast, uh, show 32 with, with Will Bernard, we, we talked about that a little bit as well. Uh, all, you know, you, you, you can't chase a deal. Southern California is crazy. It's hot. You know, uh, yeah, these properties are coming on the market and, and they're always being bid up. And I, I, I think you know just so many new investors in particular find themselves chasing deals and and i frankly i think i think there's some uh, uh, sophisticated investors who are screwing with these guys too i think there's a lot of people who are putting in offers just to watch people chase chase it up and you know <laughs> I don't know man there's it's you're seeing people buy these properties that they think they're going to flip and they're paying ridiculous amounts of money there's not a chance in hell that they're going to make any money on it I don't know it it just it baffles me yeah
4: yeah, yeah I think we, I see that a lot in the Houston market you know there's people that are going in they're buying properties to wholesale and their whole customer base are people that are new and don't know what they're doing yeah and you know when the market turns and we and things are a little bit different than they are now, they're going to be out of business.
3: Yeah, well, and and I think that that's one of the things. You know, those guys have zero credibility in my book, and right. and I frankly I hope anyone who does that is goes out of business because I I think that's probably one of the scummiest things you can do is prey on newbies who don't know anything and uh, you know unsophisticated quote unquote investors. It's it's right. awful.
2: All right. So you talk about not going after the unsophisticated then buyer. How do you find the sophisticated ones? Like who are you selling all these deals
4: so quickly to? It, because of relationships. Uh, honestly, um, we work hard to build relationships with our buyers. Um, we have a buyers list of nine hundred and ninety people, I think, at this point. Whoa. But ninety percent of my properties, ninety um, percent of our properties, are sold to the same five or six people. And there are some that are in Houston, Uh, we've got some buyers that are out of the country, we've got some buyers that are on the far east and far west coast. Um, So I think we find those buyers by marketing for those particular buyers, by networking in our local area, but also by providing a product that instills confidence. So that if there's someone in Washington D.C. that wants to buy one of our properties, they know exactly what they're getting they don't have to fly down here to see that property um, and they'll buy from us time and time again
3: nice uh, and i i think that's something that that a lot of people uh have repeated over and again on the on the show you know your 900 strong buyers list is really a, a five strong buyers list a 10 strong buyers list i mean you know the the bulk of those people may maybe somebody will eventually buy who's on that list but yeah you know, you're you're Really going to be reselling to folks, the same same uh, small group of people. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We've experienced the same thing. Yeah. So you don't
2: need to pay like a nine ninety seven a month plan to find a buyer's list or anything? <laughs> no. <laughs> how how no, are you – you said marketing for them. And networking, obviously, we understand there's you know good ways to do that. Are you doing anything like direct mail for buyers or did no. you do anything like that?
4: No. No, all of our buyers are coming to us through uh, local networking events. Um, we've been asked to speak to, at a couple RIAs here in town, uh, that definitely brings in a lot of buyers, potential buyers. Uh, and then also Craigslist. I've got 10 ads that I run on Craigslist and I update, uh, every Monday morning nice. and that's, that's usually good for adding about 10, about 10 buyers a week. Wow. That's cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen up, business owners, because I've got some quick little math for you. Fewer costs equal more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Oh, also, NetSuite lives in the cloud which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. netsuite.com slash biggerpockets netsuite.com slash biggerpockets take a second and imagine this immediate cash flow above average rent built-in equity and a foolproof exit plan no it's not 2012 again this is just what it's like to invest with integra development group they've simplified the real estate investing process so everyone can invest With their new construction single-family rent-to-own homes, you'll get aggressively priced brand-new properties that have tenants in place now in one of the fastest-growing states in America, Florida. Here's how IDG's rent-to-own strategy works. You get exclusive access to inventory with aggressive pricing thanks to IDG's builder-partner relationships. Then, invest and collect immediate cash flow with tenants already in place at or very close to closing. With the demand for new builds, your tenants pay above-market rent so you rake in more cash flow. And you'll get built-in equity and appreciation with an already agreed-to purchase price at year three, helping the tenants become homeowners while you build wealth. That's investing simplified. So secure your next investment property today with Integra Development Group at IntegraDG.com. That's IntegraDG.com to start investing today Slash bigger Pockets Relay is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by ThreadBank, member FDIC. The Relay Visa debit card is issued by ThreadBank, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. And may be used everywhere Visa debit cards are accepted.
3: You're working, correct? I mean, you've got a job. That's correct. I have a full-time job. And when you started, you had a full-time job. Well, you had just transitioned, I think you had said, right?
4: Um, I'd been with, yes, yeah.
3: Yeah, okay. And, and so you know, that's, that's pretty impressive. You know, I, I think a lot of people think, Hey, I can't do this while I work. I mean, I, you know, I've got to, got to focus on my job and how am I going to find the time? Obviously it's, it's night and weekends, right? I mean, you, right. you, and, and in your case, obviously having a partner who's available potentially, um, frees up a lot of your kind of during the daytime, right?
4: Right. Having the partner is huge. Um, cause he's in the business full time, yeah. So if he needs to run out and manage a project, he's there. If he needs to go meet with a seller, he's there. Yeah. I can answer the phone during the day, um, and manage some of the back office stuff. But I take care of all of those things, you know, after five o'clock, um, or on the weekends. So yeah. it's been it's been a long thirteen months of of uh, lots of long hours and lots of uh, working weekends.
3: Do Do you have any tips for for folks who are working a job on, on how to get started or where is it pretty much everything we've covered already
4: you guys have done a pretty good job of covering it in, in some of the previous podcasts I would say that uh, having a partner that you can trust is definitely spoiling um, but also being willing to just work and work hard um, you know five o'clock when you get home from your job sit down and you know start cruising the MLS or start uh, contacting marketing companies to start handling your direct mail Um you got to put in the effort to do it. But, you know, there are a lot of tools out there to make it to where you can take some of the burden off of you. Um, companies that will handle all of your fulfillment, companies that will handle answering all the calls and just sending you the leads. Um, so there's definitely a way to do it. All that stuff takes a little bit extra cash, um, but it's, it's definitely doable. Nice. nice.
2: Cool. Well, um, l- let's talk real quick about financing uh, your flips. How are, how are you doing that?
4: We have private lenders that we work with.
2: Okay. And how'd you find these people?
4: Networking in town. Um, uh, The local RIA clubs.
3: Um, So so I can't, you know, you don't just put ads up and say, hey, I need a private lender.
4: (laughs) No, I I see people doing that and it's it's really, really scary. I mean, you're breaking all kinds of laws by saying, you know, we're looking for a private lender for this project and we'll pay 14%. You just can't do that. Um, we believe from the very beginning that in order to raise the money for our project, we couldn't just find the project and then raise the money. We need to have those relationships in place. And uh, with all of our different private lenders, it's been a long-term relationship. I mean, um, it takes time to build up that trust for someone to hand over a quarter million dollars to you. So we take yeah. that we take that relationship very seriously. Yeah. Uh, we protect our investors. We have all the systems in place to protect them. Um, they understand every facet of our business, and if they want to come onto our work sites, we let them on. If they want to understand our books, we show them our books.
3: Yeah. So transparency. Yep. Okay. So how do you hook the first one? I mean, you know, yeah, it's kind so of it's that wh-
2: chicken and the egg thing again. It, it, yeah. It's yeah. What comes first? Yeah. So it's,
3: it's, Tough. Is it a well, deal? I mean, was it? How did it work out? I told you, you know, our
4: first lender was basically the homeowner on our first flip. That's right. Uh, with him, he just had to have confidence in us and our ability to do the job. And and uh, when we finished that job, he was upset because he knew the paychecks were going to stop coming. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, landing the first one was a lot of conversations. Uh, I believe um, conversations over three months. In order to get, you know, the lender comfortable with who we are and then, of course, us comfortable with the lender and how they lend and, and what their terms are, um, it's a long process and understanding relationships and, and how to build relationships and how to keep your partners because they are essentially partners in our business. I mean, yeah. their success is dependent on our success and our success is dependent on their success. Is is so. there
3: like a standard set of terms that you guys usually use, or does that really vary between lenders? It varies between lenders. Okay, yeah. got it, got it. Um, no, that's great. Yeah, that's. I think it's one of the challenges that that uh, most investors come to is, hey, I, I've done a couple wholesales or or I used hard money. Now I'm I'm ready to ramp up, and I need I need private money. I don't want to pay the hard money rates. What do I do, and yeah. how do I start doing it? So. So good, good advice, good advice. Um, okay, so how do you adjust when things don't go according to plan? Uh, I and I'm I'm sure your business over 27 deals hasn't been perfect. I'm sure things uh-huh. have gone wrong. Yes. Uh, what do you do? <laughs> how do you get through it?
4: The best thing I could say is have good people around you. You know, it's tough to have a plan in place for every little thing that'll go wrong, um, but just stay calm focus on the end goal and have some good advisors have some good people around you that you can go and approach and say hey i'm in way over my head or i made this mistake uh you know what would you do um and when something goes wrong we wind up calling quite a few people and and uh getting advice yeah uh, usually the last people we call are the attorneys because <laughs> they charge and yeah. and uh that is what it is but um you know, there's a wealth of knowledge out there if you're if you're able to go and network with some people,
3: and you can find answers on a place like, say, BiggerPockets.com, for example.
4: <laughs> exactly. Yes. yes. Exactly. Yes. So I, there's actually been quite a few times uh, when we were running into our issues with um, our marketing. You know, there three months in, uh, I went to BiggerPockets, I started a thread, and um, someone on there, uh, Michael Quarles, actually reached out and uh, he coached us through it and and got us headed down the right road
3: that's great that's great you know what i what i do to plan for for things like that when things go wrong i i actually had these these plexiglass windows installed in my house so when i take my laptop and chuck it against the window (laughs) it doesn't go flying outside
4: but what about the laptop
3: oh you know just buy another one (laughs) (laughs) yeah no that's it's it's good advice i mean it's you know investing can be frustrating and and yes. clearly uh things aren't always going to go right
4: no definitely not yeah definitely not that's kind of what keeps things interesting actually if everything went right all the time it
3: it uh, probably wouldn't be nearly as fun yeah right on all right well let's let's you yeah, know before we start getting into our our uh you know fire rounds and and other fancy things uh rumor has it That you are, uh, you're trying to pick up a a fairly fancy property. You're trying to pick up. I think it's like a seven thousand six hundred and forty two unit property. Is
4: that that (laughs) what it is? Well, (laughs) I'm not. I'm not sure. Fancy would be the word to use it. (laughs) It's a three hundred and nineteen unit apartment complex. Okay. Um, that's come to us through relationships that we've started to build with brokers as we've pushed to build our multifamily business. Um. This is a property that we've uh, partnered with on someone locally who has about uh, $8 million and uh, I think it's like 450 doors or so uh, under management of apartments. And this has been a property we've been negotiating on for the last 60 to 90 days. And uh, just recently, earlier this week, um, got word that uh, things are moving forward on it. That's great. So this particular property, though, like I said, it's not exactly fancy. It's 319 units. It's 20 percent occupied. Oh, and it uh, all the buildings need roofs. 80 percent of the units need AC units, and uh, it all needs quite a bit of work. But there's a uh, huge potential for upside. Wow,
3: wow. Mm-hmm. So finding finding a 20 percent occupied building has got to be a diamond in the rough. I'm I'm sure your your cost uh, per door is is pretty good. Or at least uh, you haven't closed, so you'll be pretty good uh, when it's all said and done, because it's going to require a lot of a lot of money to fix this place up.
4: Right. So our acquisition cost per door is incredibly low, um, and uh, we feel we already have an estimate for getting all the renovations done uh, inside and out. So we feel pretty confident this is going to be a heck of a deal. Um, we're in the process now of raising the three to three and a half million dollars that we're going to need to move forward on this, and. Uh, so we're pretty excited
3: that's great that's great so how, how did you transition right I know I will I know the answer you had a plan but, but <laughs> what you know what really made you go hey I'm flipping houses all of a sudden I'm gonna buy a 319 unit building to rehab that's a it's a big jump
4: you said it yourself it's all part of the plan right so we knew we wanted to do apartments we've started doing direct mail for apartments in Harris County and we started building the relationships to the brokers um, because in this deal we found a partner who has experience with these types of properties. Um, it's just not that big of a jump, you know. We're we have a mindset that this is a business. We've built the systems, you know. We're not just investors. Yeah, this is a full fledged business, and so everything's been put in place so that if something like this came along, we're ready to handle it. We're ready to move forward. We're ready to you know do it, hit the ground running. Nice. Um, so it's. While it seems like it's a big jump, really the only big jump is going to be raising the money. It's more money than we've ever had to raise before. Yeah. Um, But we've already put the processes in place to handle it.
3: Yeah. And so this building was not on, it wasn't on LoopNet. It wasn't on uh, any of these listing sites. It was kind of, it was, you know, a straight direct mail relationship uh, opportunity.
4: Yes. This one actually didn't come from the direct mail. Uh, This one came from uh, broker relationships. Got it. Got it.
3: No, that, that's my personal belief anyway, is
2: that most apartment buildings, I mean, I could be wrong on this, but I think most apartment buildings are, are, uh, good deals are found through relationships. Like with houses, obviously most, most things are found on, uh, the MLS maybe, but it just feels like apartments are usually relationships. So, um, yeah. And
4: we've kind of noticed that because it seems like, like I said, we've been doing direct mail. We've been sending 1500 letters every two months to, uh, assets in Harris County in Houston and the response rate hasn't been that good, um, and we haven't gotten a single deal from it yet, but the consistently the, the best-looking deals are the ones that are coming from uh, the
3: relationships with the brokers. Yeah. Yeah. So, so and, and really, really quickly, how does that work? Obviously, you've got a history, so do you just start calling commercial brokers and saying, hey, here's who I am, here's what I'm looking to do, here's my plan, and, and uh, if you find any opportunities that are discounted or at certain cap rate, let me know?
4: Um, Sort of. If you call them and you say that, you know, you might see deals for the next week or two. But the reality is, um, I believe in lunch. Sit down, have lunch with them, learn about them, um, learn about the types of properties that they get, see if you can help them in any way. Um, You know, maybe some properties come to us from our direct mail that's, you know, not good for us, but they have a customer for so you know, try to build a real relationship from it, not just spit out who you are, and then hope they call you in the next couple months. Yeah, you know, follow up with them, continue to have lunches with them, get to know them. Yeah,
3: uh, that's great advice, and I, I think that applies in all uh, aspects of business, particularly in this business.
4: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
3: Brandon Brandon has people take him out for coffee all the time. Yes, not all the time. <laughs> apparently it's like weekly he gets he gets free starbucks coffees from people no it's like once a month oh okay okay yeah, yeah that's good it's, yeah no it's, it's the perks
2: idea. it's the perks of being the you know the host of the largest real estate investing podcast oh there you go yeah. there
3: you go. yeah use it up man because <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to be the co-host for long no. <laughs> um all right so great, great stuff. Really, really good information. I, I think it's time to transition to our fire round. Fire round. Down, down, down. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, Brandon. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so fire round. Really quick questions. Try to make our answers quick. And uh, most of these questions do come directly from the Bigger Pockets forums at biggerpockets.com slash forums. So First question: What should a uh, recent high school grad do if they want to get into real estate investing?
4: First thing I would do is just read Bigger Pockets, read as many books as you can, and start networking um, and figure out what you want your direction to be. Do you want to wholesale? What types of properties do you want to wholesale? What types of properties will your market support for wholesale? And then uh, set a budget. Nice. Start going after some properties. Um, let's say you were
2: not an investor yet and somebody were to give you a hundred grand. What do you do with it? What's your first step with a hundred grand?
4: I don't know how, can I go to Monaco or is that?
3: (laughs) Well, I like that plan too. (laughs) (laughs) Bet it all on black.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Um, again, I would go back to goals. What are your goals? What do you want to do with that money? You know, you could lend it as hard money. You could try to buy some single family homes with it, or you can take a good chunk of it. And, uh, buy and renovate and do a flip. I think it's just going to depend on on you know what the end goal is.
3: Yeah, right on, right on. right, so successful direct mail is all about testing uh, to see what works. So for someone with a a relatively small budget how do you recommend they begin testing?
4: Yellow letters. Um, Start testing with yellow letters, do the research in your market, figure out you know what your median home price is, figure out what zip codes a lot of those houses are in, and start targeting them. Um, yeah, and measure, you know, measure how many people call, measure how many deals you get, how many letters you send. Uh, if you send letters on Monday, what kind of response rate do you get? If you send letters on Friday, what kind of response rate do you get? That kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. Right on. There's that famous uh, quote. I think it says like, "What matters gets measured" or something like that. And uh, it applies that. Like, if something's important, like measure it, and then you can figure out what works and what doesn't. Yeah. So, um, cool. All right. Next one. Do you use any apps on your phone or like an iPad or anything for real estate investing? And if so, which
4: do I use any apps? Yeah. Is there probably, anything probably the calculator app a lot? Um, <laughs> otherwise not really, honestly. Um, oh, okay. Well, the local MLS app is a great tool. Um, here, um, HAR, H-A-R, um, the application on my iPad is incredible. I can walk up to a seller and a seller says my house is worth half a million dollars, and I can show them where their house is worth eighty thousand dollars, and it's pretty <laughs> nice. tough. To, it's pretty tough to argue.
3: Yeah, I want to be in that conversation.
4: Yeah, well, it's they're not fun to have. <laughs> they're never happy that their house is. Worth
3: <laughs> <money>. <laughs> yep, yep, of course. All right, uh, flipping multifamilies. Well, I'm. I'm ass- you, Have you done it, or, or um, have you haven't done it yet? Okay,
4: not yet. All right. I'll, I'll I'll tell. I'll let you know in in eighteen months after we finish this big yeah,
3: one. Yeah, baby. Nice. We're looking forward to hearing about this one, man. This is uh, this is going to be a fun deal.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Okay. So so we we talked about planning for things going wrong. What's what's like? What's the biggest mistake you you've made uh, in your investing so far?
4: Biggest mistake we've made probably trusting sellers. Um, that's come back to to burn us quite quite a few times. Really. Um, yeah
3: do you want to give an example
4: yeah like oh yeah i went through probate or um oh no i don't owe anything on it or yeah i paid the whole thing off um just real quick story had a wholesale under contract uh for fifty thousand dollars the house was worth a hundred the guy said oh yeah it's all paid off it's not a big deal reality was he had a uh a mortgage for $110,000 on the house that he thought the government had paid off for him. In reality, the government was just trying to foreclose on him. (laughs) 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 Trusting sellers is a big one.
3: Okay. Okay. So instead of trust, but verify, just freaking verify,
4: verify, (laughs) verify, verify, verify. Nice. All right. Last
3: question
2: of the fire round, uh, real, real estate agent license. Should be, you be licensed.
4: Neither. My father or I, we are not licensed. Okay. Um, my mother has a license actually. And so we can operate on the MLS. We flat fee list all of our stuff through her, but that's easy to find elsewhere.
3: So. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to extend the fire round. Actually, we're going to move out of the fire <laughs> round and, and I'm going to ask a question about that because, uh, that, that's an interesting thing. Flat fee MLS. I, I, I know I was, uh, I was an agent back in SoCal and, and yeah, that was a long time ago. And uh, yeah, flat fee MLS guys just got no respect. The, the traditional agents, you know, of, wouldn't, wouldn't show the listings. You know, they, they yeah. it, it was, uh, it was, it was persona non grata type of stuff. Um, how, do, how does that work for you guys?
4: Fantastic. Absolutely oh. great. Um, our last flip Which had a 200 and well, so two flips ago had an ARV of 259,000. We sold it probably is about three to 4% above market, and we sold it in eight hours. Uh, A flip we sold earlier this week, um, again, we were about four or 5% above market, sold it in 10 hours, or no, excuse me, 20 hours. So here, where the market is so incredibly quick and the buyer's agent. Is going to make their three percent commission no matter what. They they don't care, and we build we do our flips in such a way where we're the best looking house in the area, uh, for an incredibly good price, and that's why they sell as quickly as they do. So we really haven't run into that issue at all. Now if the market changes, we may, and we're more than happy to pay it. But right now, it's just not necessary.
3: Gotcha, gotcha, cool. All right, well let's uh let's move on to our famous famous fool. Really. <laughs> Am I doing the show with a little girl or Sasquatch? <laughs> Come on, Sasquatch. Let's do it. Famous <laughs> Four. <laughs> how do I take him seriously?
0: You don't.
3: No, no, not at all. All right. Famous Four. What is uh, – do, do you have any favorite real estate uh, investing books?
4: Um, Gary Keller's book, Millionaire Real Estate Investor, is really good. Yeah. I enjoyed that one. Okay. Right on. Uh, how about business books? The E-Myth. Good. Um, and I, I forget who wrote that one actually, but Michael um, Michael Gerber,
3: I think his name is. Yes.
4: Yeah. Yep. The e Myth, I thought was incredible.
3: You nice. Too. Nice. Yes. You talk about it almost every show.
2: <laughs> it, it's that good. People need to read it. People
3: go. need to read it. Absolutely. There you go. There you go. And 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 what what about what about hobbies? Uh, are are I see I see in a picture behind you a, a tire of a racing car. Are you a, a car racing guy or?
4: Yes, I am. So, all through college, uh, I worked as a professional mechanic on Ferrari Challenge and Star Mazda race teams. And that was really my first passion. Um, also, through college, I raced professionally and, you know, raced for Formula SAE. Actually, not, prof- actually, I didn't race professionally. I raced kind of amateur. Um, but yeah, that's absolutely my first uh, first passion is racing. Second is uh, travel. And, you know, my wife and I just got back from a two week long uh, camping trip all through the Southwest. Nice. Actually, and uh, based out based off of our uh, truck, so that was a lot of fun. We really
3: enjoy travel. Ah, wow, that's great. That's great.
2: Cool. All right. Final question: What do you believe sets apart the investors who succeed from those who do not?
4: Planning and execution, um, and confidence in that execution. So, there's a lot of investors who do onesie twosies. And then there are investors who build the big business. Um, we hope to be the investor that builds a big business. I mean, we've done, like I said, uh, you know, over two million this year. Next year we want to be at four, and then the year after that we want to be at eight. And that's just our single-family homes. Um, that doesn't count what we want to do with commercial and everything else. So I think having the plan, having the vision, and having the wherewithal, or at least the people around you to coach you towards that end goal, is
3: uh, is pretty important. Great. Great, great, great advice! Great advice. All right, guys. Well, this is uh, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, it's Sam Craven, uh, show thirty-three of the Bigger Pockets podcast. You can find the show notes at biggerpockets.com/slash/show thirty-three. Sam, thanks so much for being with us, and uh, of course, we'll see you around the site.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thank you.
3: All right, guys. That was Sam Craven with some awesome, awesome stuff. I thought the interview was fantastic. I. I uh, I think Sam might have done more deals in his uh first year than most of us have have done thus far. What do you think, Brandon?
2: Yeah, I am pretty sure he's done more than me. And hey, also real quick, uh, if people want to uh reach out to Sam, they should definitely check out his website at uh com. Uh but yeah, I just realized we didn't say it in the podcast. So, uh yeah, sennahomes.com and he's also on Bigger Pockets, of course.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. That's awesome. Well, congrats to, to him and his success. And, and obviously we want more of you guys to be successful, just like Sam. So keep listening to these shows. Make sure you're paying attention and interacting and asking questions. Jump on these show notes at biggerpockets.com show 33 and, uh, let Sam know what's going on. Hit him up with questions. Um, know, yeah, tell him what you think. Uh, otherwise of course uh, you want to be interacting on bigger pockets like sam did and uh you know it's it's just an incredible place to learn we've got these free podcasts we've got thousands and thousands of really high level forum uh well blog posts and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of forum discussions the site is incredible the content is insane and guess what it's all free woohoo that's right. Now we do have paid memberships, as we talked about in the quick tip. Quick tip. But what what'd you say? Quick tip. Yep, yep, yep. So we've got uh, we got these paid accounts, and and you know they they've got a lot of value. You should check them out. If there's any interest, go to biggerpockets.com/pro, and you can find out all the benefits of upgrading. Uh, that's pretty much it. Remember to follow us on our networks: Facebook, Twitter, G+. We're everywhere. Make sure to interact with us on on our various social networks outside of the one and only bigger pockets. And uh, definitely, definitely, definitely also make sure I'm actually forgetting what I was supposed to say, which is why I'm trying to extend it out here. Hold on, it's going to come to me. Brandon, say something so I could come up with what I was going to say because I can't think and talk at the same time. By the light of the silvery moon.
2: I don't remember the rest of the words. <laughs> <laughs> I keep going. That's all I got.
3: <laughs> oh, if you haven't already, make sure to leave us a review or a rating on iTunes. Why would I forget that, Brandon? I say it every week. I don't know. I say it every week, but I forgot it this time. Anyway, guys, make sure to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. It helps us get more visibility, makes us feel good. All right. Well, for bigger pockets, this is. <clears throat> is this thing still on? <laughs> this is Josh Dorgan signing off.
2: You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Here to join the millions of others who have benefited from biggerpockets.com, your home for real estate investing online.